Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Special in-studio guest Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan. KB, talk about this record-breaking <laughs> weekend the Indianapolis Colts had. Yeah, uh, Breaking to, records all over the place, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> to quote Jim Irsay, rare air. Uh, the, upper, <laughs> the upper quartiles of upper quartile historic losses. That seems to be a theme here in 2022. So oh, Maybe, you know, a week from tonight, Colts Chargers Monday Night Football, the halftime show can be raise a banner for the biggest blown lead <laughs> in NFL history. So, KB, am I just at the point in my fandom where I've lost all hope? Because I look at what happened this past Saturday, and I don't even think that's the worst loss of this calendar year. I go back to the Jacksonville game early in January where you had to win to go to the playoffs. That game meant something, and you got blown out by the worst team in the league. To me, that loss is way worse than this record-breaking train wreck from Saturday. The fact that this is even a debatable question shows you the state of the franchise is um, a a massive Massive issue right now. It's a very fair question, though, Hammer. Um, that was more embarrassing because, like you said, what was at stake? You were playing what a one in fifteen football team, um, and you got thoroughly beaten in their own blown out, you know, in, in their own place. Whereas the embarrassment from Saturday was more of just. 60-minute football game, how can you not hold the 33-point lead? Like That sort of kind of football game, 60-minute embarrassment, whereas, you know, what was at stake for you in that season finale, um, that kind of speaks for itself. But again, to the point I was just making, guys, this is where we're at. It's a season that, to me, has turned from disappointing to beyond embarrassing. And you point to that loss to end the year in Jacksonville. How about the shutout? in Jacksonville in week two. How about the Mm. New England game a month and a half ago, the game that you fired Frank Reich after, in which you had your smallest yards per play amount in the history of the Indianapolis Colts? Or how about the Dallas game, where you get outscored 33-0 in the fourth quarter of that game, (laughs) and the NFL hasn't seen a team do that in 97 years? I mean, it is gone again from disappointment from a record standpoint, the AFC South sitting on a platter, to just sheer embarrassment. And the frustrating thing more than anything else it's a winnable division. The oh, Jags, I believe, control their own destiny to win this division. If the Colts were just mediocre, just average to mediocre, they would have a chance to win the division, but they can't even get to that level, Kevin. And I think that is what adds so much salt into the wound, sting, whatever you want to call it. You haven't won a division since 2014. Um, to your point, Hammer, you have the 7-7 seven and seven Titans that have lost four straight. They fired their general manager a couple weeks ago. The 6-8 and eight Jags. Uh, and who are getting better. Yes, who are getting better. But still, I mean, it's going to be eight or nine wins, wins this division, and host a home playoff game. And yet, even with all of this craziness, this shows you how 
bad and pathetic the AFC South is, the Colts aren't even officially eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> they would have been eliminated wow. last week from any other division in the AFC. But wow. because the AFC South is such a putrid division, here you are with three games to go, and you're technically still alive. You're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> um, what? Take me back to Saturday halftime. Uh, the Vikings, obviously, um, they uh, <clears throat> made some adjustments. Uh, the Colts went into halftime 33 nothing. right? That, that was uh, going into halftime. What changed in that second half? Is there anything, one thing that you could point to and be like, oh, that's, this made the difference. This yeah. is what happened. I think anytime you blow a lead like you did, it's it's multiple things, Nigel. But I would honestly start with the end of the first half. Um, if you go back, and by no means am I expecting any human being to do this, certainly without <laughs> you know liquor readily available, um, you watch the end of that first half. They came out of the two-minute warning, a chance to score a touchdown. They ran the ball five straight times. It was like, I'm sitting yeah. there on my couch to myself, what is this play calling? I, I literally, at halftime, Hammer would be proud of me, I opened up my, my betting app and looked at the Vikings' money line. Bingo. I, I was curious, like, this is has the chance to get interesting. They open up the second half, and it seems like the play they always run on third down is a screen to Michael Pittman, such Ugh. a give-up play. They did that on the first two drives of the second half. And I'm just asking myself, I'm thinking, they are, well, I guess... I'm saying to myself, they're asking for the Vikings to get back into this game. So I thought in general, you coach scared, you executed poorly and defensively, and we see this a lot, I think when teams get a lead, they get out of the game plan that did a nice job on some of the Viking stars early on, and they got to prevent. They said, no one beat us over the top. Well, when you do that, a team can methodically drive down the field, and that's what the Vikings did. So I know you mentioned the Colts are not mathematically eliminated, but sounds like Jonathan Taylor's season is done. He's probably not going to play again. I'm looking at draft status here. So as a Colts fan, what do I need to be rooting for yeah. here? Well, how, let's start tonight. Rams over Packers. That's what you want. If the Rams beat the Packers on Monday Night Football, the Colts will climb up to fifth mm. in the draft position. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but basically Texans, Bears, um, I think the Cardinals are above you. The Rams, of course, are above you. The Broncos? Yeah, I want to say Denver sends their pick to Seattle, but you want Denver to keep on winning. The Broncos and the Rams actually play each other next week, so that's a game that will inevitably help you out. Uh, but you want, I mean, you want the Colts to lose. I, I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. If you're talking draft position, uh, if they would have won on Sunday or Saturday, that would have pushed them down to, I think, ninth or 10th in draft order. So if they win like two of these final three games, which I know might sound crazy, they do play the Texans in the final game of the season, they could get outside of the top 10. Um, so it is really, really important. And I post something weekly. I'll do it tomorrow morning once this Rams game happens. Uh, to our website, a look at the draft order, who you want to cheer for, all of those things. Uh, because you want to get as high in that draft order as possible because you don't have a lot of extra picks this year to trade up. Um, it is a good news, I think, for the Colts that you look at the teams above them. One of those teams is Chicago. Well, they don't need a quarterback. so They'd be willing to maybe make a deal? Exactly. You can either trade with them or, at the very least, they aren't going to draft a QB, so that will push a quarterback down down the list for you. But uh, welcome to reality here on December 19th. We don't look at playoff standings. We look at draft order. Does Jeff Saturday want to be the head coach of this team moving forward after the season ends? I mean, I think I read somewhere that he wants to interview for the job, right? Yeah, it's a question I asked him last week, Nige, and he was very adamant that he wants to um, interview for the job, like you said, and, and wants to be the permanent head coach. You know, yeah. Someone mentioned to me yesterday, was that loss – what the Colts needed to finally say no to Matt Ryan and no to Jeff Saturday. Mm. It's a harsh way to look yeah. at it, but again, 
predicting what Jim Mercer is going to do is a dangerous subject. But what Jim Mercer hates more than anything is to see his franchise embarrassed, to see his franchise embarrassed on national television. Well, last two weeks, Saturday at 1 o'clock, the only game in town, embarrassed and blowing that lead. Two weeks ago, the Dallas game in the fourth quarter, Sunday night football, embarrassed there. The fact that you think about those two things and how Jim Mercer views it, boy, uh, I, I can't see how he runs it back and, and convinces us that it's the right move. Kevin Bowen joining us here from 107.5 The Fan does the morning show with Jake Query over there. So I watch a lot of SEC football. I'm a Tennessee Vols guy, so I watch a lot of SEC football. Sure. And one of the names I keep seeing on these mock drafts being available for the Colts is the Kentucky quarterback, Will Levis. I have not been impressed with what I've seen from Will Levis. Every big game I've watched this kid play, whether it's against Tennessee, whether it's against Bama, I get it, good teams. Man, I just haven't liked what I've seen. What are they saying about him? Yeah, he's a guy that I think will hear his name called in the top 10. Um, It seems like if you look at the quarterbacks, the top two are Bryce Young out of Alabama and C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. And then Levis is probably that third guy. And some people think he could push into the top five, maybe the top 10. Um, this is a guy that, and not to get too like draft nerdy with you guys, but a ton of traits. Uh, to your point, Hammer, you watch him in warmups, and you probably salivate a little bit. The big arm, the big body. Right. He, he kind of has some Josh Allen type look to him. And if you look at Josh Allen's final season at Wyoming, uh, it was nothing to write home about. And I think that's what makes this draft process fascinating and excruciating. It's these are the guys you have to evaluate. I mean, Josh Allen was the third quarterback taken in his draft. Patrick Mahomes was the second quarterback taken in his draft. Lamar Jackson was the fifth quarterback taken in, in his draft. It, it's it's not easy, but that's why you get paid the big bucks to identify. And then I think what is vitally important for Jim Irsay in whatever move you make at head coach. That next head coach has got to come with a specific plan on how to develop a young quarterback. That is going to be massively important for that era for whoever that next head coach is because so many times you just draft and you don't think about the development you have to develop these guys what's coming up in the big show tomorrow uh, so later this week, I want to tease later this week, we got Ryan Walters, the Purdue football head coach, the new uh, head football coach of the Boilers. He's going to join us later in the week. Tomorrow we'll continue to unpack uh, this Colts loss. The Pacers play in Boston on Wednesday, so we'll look ahead to that. But uh, right now it's like, thank the Lord for Purdue basketball, because there's not, <laughs> not a whole lot of positivity in the sports world here in the city. KB, Merry Christmas to you and your beautiful family, Thanks, and uh, thank you so much. Thanks. Same to you guys and all your listeners. All right, coming up here next, Reverend Charles Harrison will join us. we got a lot to get to with the Rev, but first, let's take a look at the news.